Great, so now we have our root problem that we got through step two to finding the problem. And now we're moving on to step three, where we get to come up with new ideas and brainstorm together and come up with really creative ideas. So L, can you tell us about the ideation process? Yes, this is the fun. I mean, I think all of it's fun, to be honest, but this is where it really gets fun. This is where you get to come up with the wildest and also the weirdest and also the smallest and the most practical ideas. So before we talk a little about ideation, though, I want to talk about failure because failure is a really important part of the ideation process. So we're going to start out. I'm just going to ask you, Connor, like, do you like failing? If you like failing, tell us why. If you don't like failing, tell us why. <laughs> yeah, no, failing. Failing's hard. It's it's humbling or maybe even humiliating. I think I have like this expectation and hope that I'll be good or perfect or the best at something and failure kind of throws it right back in my face and is like, oh, you aren't actually as blank as I thought I was going to be. You know, maybe I'm not as strong or smart or creative as I thought I was going to be. And so I, I, it's usually like a punch to the ego when I approach failure. Right. It could also cause us to make a lot of assumptions. Like we tried that. It didn't work. Therefore, it doesn't work. And oftentimes it keeps us from looking at, well, maybe there was something, there was another reason why it didn't work. And so I really have grown to love failing. And I also feel all the same things that you feel. They're pretty common when I fail. It's discouraging, can be humiliating, all those things. But when I started really thinking about failure and creativity, it really kind of changed my mind to be a little more excited about failing and why it's important to the creative process. It is true. I've heard this said a lot, and this has been my experience that you can learn more about yourself and your process through failure than you can success. Because there's a built-in feedback mechanism of failure, if you allow it, where you're like, why didn't that work? How can we tweak it? How can we try again? Whereas with success, you're like, well, we succeeded. And you really have no idea why, because it worked. And you don't really reflect on why it worked. This one example that I really love is something that Google did in their company at a certain point. They were realizing that people were developing a fear of failure. Like if they were working on a project at Google and the project failed, then they might feel like they got in trouble. They might not get to moved on another project. They might not get paid. So because they were afraid of failing on their projects, they were taking less risks. And so they weren't willing to put themselves out there. So Google developed this failure incentive where you actually got bonuses if your project failed. So you didn't get the bonus if it succeeded. You got the bonus if it failed. And they started celebrating this idea of failure. And then what they saw was a huge amount of innovation in the company because suddenly everyone was so excited to try something and see if it failed. They didn't care if they it failed because it took away the stigma. And so kind of that's what it's, we were talking about this because it's really important to think about what has your church already tried and failed at? Because what that's going to help you do is to start thinking more creatively, more innovatively, and think of those failures as the blocks in your foundation that you're going to build on. And it's really tempting when we start talking about ideas, there's always someone in the room, if not everyone in the room that is like, we've tried that. It doesn't work. We tried that. It doesn't work. So what you want to do is start there. Before you do your ideas, have everyone in the room call out everything the church has done that has already failed. And then write each one of those things in the bricks that are projected up on the wall from the image that we gave you. Yeah, I love having that as like the foundation from which we stand is like maybe also like think of like the soil from which things grow. It's like we have to have these failures to know what hasn't worked, but that also expands what's possible because now we know 
we've closed a few doors, but that's also let us know that, oh, there are actually more doors in this hallway than we even realized. Yeah. And failure is important to the prototyping process, which comes right after ideation, the next stage. Whereas like, and nobody quote me on this, feel free to look it up and find the correct figures. But the light bulb was not created by a genius. The light bulb was created because something like 2000 experiments that failed and the 2001 worked. And so if we quit because we failed, then we never actually get to the thing that succeeds. So we're going to start out by figuring out what our failures are to acknowledge them. And then to also maybe be thinking about why it didn't work. And so we don't just get rid of those ideas, but when we're ideating, we think, hey, how could we take that failure that we tried and maybe try it a little bit differently? What might that look like? Or maybe we just don't need to try that at all. We need to try something completely different. So after you've listed all of your failures, then you're going to take your sticky notes and do the exact same process that you did with defining the problems and your data sheet from your expert listener and list every single idea out on a sticky note, just like you did with define the problem. And you're going to put all the sticky notes with every single idea that someone came up with during the listening sessions on the wall, on top of the failure bricks and underneath the root problem. Now what you're going to do is have everyone go on and read them, see if anything's missing, and then begin adding their ideas. Very similar to the process with defining the problem. Yeah. So hopefully by the end of this process, we have failures, we have ideas learned from the listening process, and we also have a whole bunch of new ideas. And this will hopefully have an entire wall full of possible ideas that we can now run with. So the sky's the limit. There's no dumb idea. Everything you've ever thought that could be possible, add it to it. After that has happened, you're going to want to narrow it down. And the first way to narrow it down is some of these ideas that came up during the listening session had nothing to do with that root problem that you've identified. So go ahead and move those sticky notes over to the other side of the wall. So that's not necessarily the ideas that you're going to be looking at. This time, you might want to keep them later if you come back and identify other problems. But you're mostly looking at what ideas could be addressing the root problem. So Elle, what if someone comes up with an idea that we, we know isn't going to be financially viable? What do we do with that idea? We leave it up there because at this point, we're not thinking about the sustainability. We're not thinking about finances, time resources, passion resources. We're just getting as many ideas on the wall as we can. And then we're also at the end of that, just kind of discussing them and then taking the ones that don't apply to the root problem and setting them aside for later discussion. So we're just focusing on the ideas that apply to the root problem and not worrying about how sustainable they are yet. 